Can't see it. Oh, come, come on. You're having I'm, ha- I'm living on the wild side today. It's some like caffeine free oat milk latte thing. Dude, caffeine free. Yeah, I don't know what that's about. I actually, it's good for me because I, I have found that caffeine and I really just don't. We don't mix very well. But it's huh. dairy free. It's 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 vegan, you know. So I'll I'll do that, and it's probably disgusting too. I'm gonna go there. So I have a chaser, and that's uh, Poland Springs, of course. That's probably how the most. That be- show up. How'd that show up better than the 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 opaque can? I don't understand. Because it's not white. <laughs> the water is probably more vegan than your uh, your latte. Probably. All right. So are we ready? We are. Yeah, Party on, Sal. Party on, party on, Sal. <clears throat> well, welcome. Oh, little Wisconsin there, party on. Party, party on. on. <laughs> What's that about? Uh, well, welcome, podcasters, to another episode of the Party on Johncast, uh, a podcast about theology, uh, random musings on music, uh, current events, and whatever we are drinking. This is Reverend Sal, uh, the angel of death. Uh, ordained minister of word and sacrament teaching elder whatever we decide to call it in our church now uh in the presbytery of the highlands uh in the validated ministry of hospice chaplaincy are you feeling validated today sal today i, I feel validated thank you it right. is a good day cool, up my of of uh sky touching lens because we <laughs> We can't, we can't, um, we can't figure out what to call it, whether it's Skylands or Newton or something in between. We're always changing names. We did it in the in our church too, just recently, redistricting and all that fun stuff. Okay, so uh, I guess that, that that's me now, uh, and I am the the Rockin' Reverend, uh, right next to the Reverend Angel of Death, the Rockin' Reverend uh, Todd Laddick. I am an ordained elder serving, uh, ordained elder in the Greater United Methodist Church of Greater New Jersey, serving a church, a congregation in New Jer- Newton, New Jersey, uh, and I can't talk this morning, so that's it. <laughs> Oh, and it's good to be back after a month-long breather. We were obviously yes. not, we didn't have an episode last month, but it's good to be back. <clears throat> First in our history, but... First in our history, yeah. Well, it's what you get when you bring the Viking Vicar on board. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I'm uh, Blake Severson, Reverend Blake Severson, the Viking Vicar. Um, I was thinking about it as, as you were doing your intro, Todd, Um I will say I I live in Alaska, uh, but I currently physically reside in Rock Island, Illinois. Um, it is a, a realization I have had over the last uh, <laughs> last year or so. Um, so, uh, but I am a pastor of a church in Rock Island, Illinois, and um, 
Yeah, it's uh, no big deal, but we're closing four churches and starting a new one. Um, so uh, that's been a part of the busyness. And also I've been trying to find somewhere else to live um, uh, or to reside rather. I think I think at this point we will always live in Alaska. But um, yeah, so it's I'm glad to be back and, you know, I still, I, one of these days, I won't feel like a guest anymore, but today is not that day. Um, <laughs> oh, you're well past the guesthood. <laughs> yeah. So, cool. Well, I guess then that brings us to our Hebrew segment. Uh, uh, so, you know it's coming. How do you know that God loves coffee? Oh, someone, some say Paul, some say others, wrote about it in the book of Hebrews. Oh, boy. You know, it wasn't all that long ago where Paul was generally accepted as, well, he was never generally accepted as the author, but people just kind of went ahead and said the apostle wrote and then quoted Hebrews. And John Wesley was one of those folks, uh, and I'm sure Calvin was too. Um, but yeah, yeah, interesting. Mm-hmm. So, uh, well, thank God, Hebrews. Uh, so, who's going first? <laughs> well, I, I guess I will. I got Who it. Said I can. Okay, go right here. It. Yep. Uh, so, this is our uh, our uh, cute little couple mugs that my sister and uh, and brother in law got us. But uh, within that is a coffee called Four Fifty Four Horsepower. Um, which is decaf, of course. No, um, no, it's uh, yeah, it's one of the one of the line of uh, Kicking Horse. I bring up Kicking Horse a lot, um, but we uh, we've started buying it kind of primarily as our main like go to coffee, and so we got the four fifty four horsepower, um, and it's it's strong, it's strong. Sounds up there with my death wish coffee <laughs> yeah yep um wow well i didn't intentionally pick out a decaffeinated coffee because i bought this back when i was actually drinking coffee and the first one i had was not that great uh so i'm not gonna lie i didn't rush out to, to try the second one which has been in my fridge for a while uh but this is called uh pop and bottle that's the name of the brand oh look it showed up perfectly this time it's vanilla it's a uh, oat milk latte with collagen in it, which is um, stuff you collect in the sea, I guess. Um, plankton, basically. <laughs> guessing Coke. that's what it is. Um, it's got 3,000 milligrams of marine collagen. It's dairy-free. It is no refined sugar. And, oh, excuse me, it doesn't say no caffeine. It says, ah, see, I need to read. It says clean caffeine. From Ooh. organic fair trade coffee with 80 milligrams of caffeine in it. So I take that back. Um, I was telling uh, the guys that I don't really drink coffee that much anymore. Uh, it's, a, it's a shame. I actually have a ton of coffee in my office. I have bourbon infused coffee downstairs. And I just I can't stomach it anymore. Um, uh, the, with my anxiety the way it is, I, I just I can't. So I have um, decided to 
become caffeine free and it wasn't really even a decision i just stopped drinking it and i haven't really looked back so how was it was it was it rough for a little while um yeah probably it was uh i i think maybe well, we should ask the people around you <laughs> well you know actually i think i actually think because of my anxiety it actually wasn't that rough and and i would say and i would say um i was feeling better not having it maybe a little tired but then i was also uh taking a new medicine that was helping me with my anxiety and energy levels as well so um yeah, I think I got through that pretty well, and I haven't looked back because I, I just generally have enough energy to get through the day, and mm-hmm. and if, boy, if I lost some weight, I'd probably even have more. Um, but here we go. I'm gonna and try this. This will determine if we get the sponsorship. No, no actually, this one's really good. My God, nice. why has this been sitting in my refrigerator so long? This is really good. The last one I got, I don't remember what flavor it was, uh, but it was a no-go. But this one, uh, vanilla oak milk, milk latte from Pop and Bottle. I got it at a health food store, so chances are that's where you'll find it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, cool. <clears throat> uh, a side note, actually, before I give my coffee, I actually listened to a podcast. Uh, Chris Hayes from MSNBC has a podcast. Mm-hmm. Sometimes very boring, sometimes actually insightful. Uh, but yeah, it actually had a discussion on fair trade coffee on how, like, um, not that it's bad, but the actual way, the methodology that you get that certification of fair trade, um, <clears throat> it's more of an auditing of the system more than it is of them actually going and talking to the growers and the farmers and stuff. So it's, of course, so it's, it's kind of like free range. You know, like we've yeah. gone from a little cage to now they've got a little coop, but it's still only about two square feet. Yeah. <laughs> so. so it's like, oh, now they're free range; they can move an inch. Yes. <laughs> we uh, we woke woke Christians love to drink fair trade coffee, but doesn't necessarily mean that it's it's ethical. Well, how fair is fair? Yeah, yeah. it's fairer trade. Fairer, but fairer. anyway, yeah. just thought of that. So I'm drinking in my coffee talk mug. Uh, which was a gift from a farmer coworker. Uh, my my go-to coffee, uh, Tim Hortons. I'm trying to stick. I drink Dunkin' Donuts on the road because it's the most available. And actually, um, since I've upped my meds for anxiety, I uh, find it easier to probably just like you, Todd, with upping your meds. You with the anxiety down, you you need less energy. So uh, I'm actually able to follow my doctor's wishes and drink more decaf. Uh, I have found that I drink coffee on the road more out of habit than actually needing the caffeine. So do you try to drink more decaf? Well, you know what's really helped me is actually uh, refreshers because they have green tea and the green tea has um, caffeine in it, but it doesn't affect me the same way. It's not the same feel. It just gives me enough boost and then I'm, I'm good. Uh, so like if I go to Dunkin' Donuts, that's my go-to and a large, uh, well, I know blueberry, pomegranate or peach passion fruit refresher is like 120 calories or something like that. It's ridiculous. It's not that sweet. I mean, it tastes sweet when you're drinking it, but there's not a whole lot of sugar in it. And it's, uh, yeah, it's pretty good. So I've got my chaser, polar seltzer. Nice. Is that from Costco? From Costco. I, I go and I get 
two of the 32 packs every couple weeks. So. so our Costco hasn't been carrying them lately, but we still go back in the corner every single time in the hopes that we will catch it on the time that it is. Cause the, the, like really like the second it shows up, it's gone. It's almost faster than like the advent calendars. Yeah. Um, it's, and it's actually a better deal than the Costco seltzer. Quite, quite a bit. Yeah. Cheaper and you get more cans than the yeah. Costco brand seltzer. So, cause I generally, I do generally try to get the Costco brand stuff cause it's, you know, it's a better deal. And well, some of those Costco brands are, uh, top name brands in disguise so. but anyway that's our hebrews segment hebrews <laughs> um which i guess then brings us to our most excellent music segment Ukraine issue. So, uh, go first on this one. Uh, I can go first. Uh, actually, uh, kind of uh, hinted at our discussion a little bit. Um, kind of inspired by the events going on in the world in Ukraine. Uh, I got listening to uh, Dire Straits last night as I was trying to wind down and go to bed. Uh, so, I was listening to Brothers in Arms. By Dara Straits. And you no longer burn to be It's off their brother in Ar- Brothers in Arms album. Uh, and it's just a really, I don't know, I really like how Mark Knopfler plays guitar. Uh, he doesn't pick, he just does all finger picking, he doesn't use a pick. Uh, so it's a very, uh, beautiful song, but, and it kind of made me think of, uh, what's going on in Ukraine. One of the verses is through the fields of destruction, baptisms of fire. I witnessed your suffering as the battle raged high. And though they did hurt me so bad in the fear and alarm, you did not desert me, my brothers in arms. Um, so I feel like uh, I wish, you know, and this can be our topic discussion later, but I kind of wish that we were doing more to help our brothers and sisters in Ukraine. Uh, but they are uh, glory to Ukraine. They are fighting the fight and kicking butt and taking names. Never uh, underestimate of people who want, who love their home. Yep. <laughs> Just never do it. <laughs> I mean, like, that's every story from time immemorial, right? Braveheart, English come up to try to take away people's homes, and they're like, no. <laughs> and, and, they, and they beat, you know, the incredible odds of defeating the armies that they did uh, in the battles that they did. So, I mean, you're seeing that play out live in yeah. Ukraine, where they should have easily been able to just march right in take over everybody surrenders with the white flag and that's just not what has happened at all well that's i think that's what they thought was going to happen and it did not. that's what they thought for sure 
Um, oh. So and my uh, my second pick was going to be uh, the soundtrack to The Last Kingdom on mm. Netflix. I don't know if you guys have watched any of that. I'm uh, not. I have which not. It's, I'm I'm breaking my 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 uh, my Viking duty, but. Um... <laughs> So they just dropped the fifth and final season. There's more books after this season, but they had already planned to, when they planned out the the series, this is where they were going to end. And the soundtrack is a nice mix of Celtic, uh, English, and Viking music. So Mm. check it out. And definitely watch the, you can can, uh, binge a season in a day or two. Okay. So they're not that, not that bad. About an hour, about forty-five minutes to an hour long each episode. Well, um, I will have to watch that. I mean, it's something that's been on my list right now. I've been on a uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer kick, so I have to. I'm on. Se- I'm almost on season four, so I've got a few more, se- <laughs> few more seasons to go. But and then God, you have to go into Angel, so you're really not then, that close oh, after all. I'm not that close because season four is when Angel starts, so I have to bounce back and forth and. Yeah. It's uh, I I'm telling you they're they're two of my like most favorite. I mean, I, Angel's cool. I liked Angel, but Buffy's like one of my most favorite shows ever. Yeah. Um, really, just phenomenal writing and acting. <clears throat> anyway, uh, I guess I'll go next. Uh, I'm doing uh, Demon Hunters. Praise the Void. Well, I have two. Um, Praise the Void has been speaking to me a lot lately. It, 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 but now we praise the Void for this love, wasted love. I'll read the lyrics. The song is actually about um, atheism and how empty it is. Um, and so it's almost a satirical song, but but it, but it's it's sad. And um, also, uh, it it really uh, speaks to me like the emptiness of the Putin regime or any regime that just bases itself on might and power and you know and authority and 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 doesn't have anything to back it up morally speaking. Like you're talking about a morally bankrupt uh, regime, and and so so when i you know that's the ultimate end as far as i see with having no faith in anything and we just determine who we are and what we do um you know i know people argue that you can be a good person and not believe in god and no you can't because without god we're not good people (laughs) that's a fundamental difference between atheists and and uh people of faith i would say but here are the lyrics um and i thought we all agreed take this hand of hope leave the world to bleed for a place too bright to see can we still behold the forest for the trees but here in the dark i feel nothing i see no one no solace at all we once heard the lasting call but now we praise the void for this love wasted love praise the void we found nothing is enough tell me hopes too bright to be tomorrow's just a fabrication of our dreams but here in the dark, I feel nothing. I see no one, no solace at all. We once heard the lasting call. Here in the dark, I mean, he repeats the chorus, but here in the dark, I feel nothing. I see no one. Is it the end you want to see? Here in the dark, we feel nothing. We see no one. Is it peace for only me? Praise the void for this love, wasted love. Praise the void. We found nothing is enough. 
<clears throat> and I was actually listening to the song and I was thinking about the times in my life where I've actually been in a void and it seems like God's not there or whatnot. But then that experience of being in the void and seeking out God actually draws you closer to God. I mean, if you're open to it. And, and so, you know, in that sense, praise the void. Well, or praise, praise God through the void, <laughs> I guess would be, or praise God in the void, you know, like, um, but, but ultimately praise the void in the sense that it brought me closer to God. It was, you know, like, uh, you know, I'm okay with that now, um, as, as lonely and isolating as that may have been at the time, uh, or any time that you're in it. So, so there's two ways you can kind of take that song, I think. Um, but the original intent was the emptiness, emptiness of atheism. And then that brings me to, uh, another song by Demon Hunter called, um, I am a stone. I am a stone, unaffected Rain held down onto me Flesh and bone, unaffected Your fool I will not be I am a stone, This really does remind me of uh, Ukraine. Uh, of course, he's talking about spiritual warfare, I think, and, and also just life circumstances. But when I hear these words, um, and I won't read the whole whole thing, but I'll just read the, the, the chorus. Um, I am a stone unaffected, rain held down onto me, flesh and bone unaffected, your fool I will not be. And I I think of I think of Ukraine like just like sticking it to Putin and they're just not moving. They're like a stone, you know, like it, the stone that, that tripped the giant, so to speak, and it's so great to see, even though it's not great to see. Um, it's not great to see at all. But boy, uh, you know, go Ukraine. Yeah. So that's me. Yeah. Um, so I've got two as well. Um, really musical these days. Um, and one of them is... Um, not metal. It's Eddie Vedder. Uh, it's an Eddie Vedder song I've loved for a long time. Um, I remember watching the movie Into the Wild um, and just like saying, I have to leave for Alaska tomorrow. <laughs> right? Like, I fell in love with the story of Chris McCandless. Obviously, when I saw how, he, how his life ended, I was like, this guy was an idiot. Um, you know, carry a freaking map, buddy. Um but that sense of this this adventure in this incredible place and and uh, i watched it before i went to colorado to visit a friend of mine from seminary and i remember listening to the soundtrack while i was on the plane and when i was getting off of the airplane and you know walking out of denver airport for the first time and seeing the mountains um, effectively for the first time and just how like I knew this was the life I this is what I was made for right um that's this place to be in the mountains and uh so the song that's in my mind um after the last couple of days of talking with uh, I was at a coaching summit for our synod and thinking about the life we want to live and the first question they asked was was what do you want right and all these pastors in the room had a really hard time answering it <laughs> because nobody ever asks us what we want, right? 
it's just, what do you have to do? What do you, you know, what do I need you for? What, what, what is your duty? What is your job? What do you, but there's no, what do you want? Right. And I knew my answer before the guy was done asking the question. Um, I had no problems answering. Um, and so the song that's been on my mind since that moment is the song um, Setting Forth. Uh, read um so be it no concern point of no return go forward in reverse um out here realigned um setting forth in the universe you know it's a really simple song there's not a lot of lyrics but there's just this sense of it of like stop <laughs> stop waiting around um and so that song was in my head during this whole time that we were there. And then yesterday at our closing worship, um, there's a, a you guys, either you know the poem, um, John O'Donohue, the poet, Irish poet. Um, and so this is from his, his poem, um, A Morning Offering. And may my mind come alive today. I, I may actually start crying. Um <laughs> To the invisible geography that invites me to new frontiers to break the dead shell of yesterday's to risk being disturbed and changed may i have the courage today to live the life that i would love to postpone my dream no longer but do at last what i came here for and waste my heart on fear no more um so needless to say uh, i was a little shocked by those words um in, in the in reference to all that we were talking about and all these thoughts of what we should be doing and where we want to be and what we want. So, um, you know, we, my wife and I have kind of made a decision that, you know, we're not going to do anything stupid. Um, obviously we have a three and a half month old and a five and a half year old. We're not going to do anything dumb, um, but we know what we want and we're going to just get it. <laughs> um, because it's time to stop. It's time to stop waiting. Because um, the waiting's not gonna. It's not gonna fix anything. Um, and so, uh, yeah. So that's one of the songs. And then the other one is uh, I just got a notification that a package I've been waiting for is going to arrive today. It's a 500, uh, one of 500 represses of Teresa's first three albums. Um with like what they call blood splatter vinyl. And, you know, like it's, it's, you know, this really unique thing, but um, it was all, it was done exclusively to drive sales and all of the proceeds are going um, to Ukraine uh, for this, for this 500. So, um, but from one of those albums uh, is a song called Cursed Be Iron. And it is a tremendous song. 
Uh, it has one of the gnarliest riffs you will ever hear in your whole entire life. Um, but it is um, from a battle, from a, a, a band that describes themselves as battle metal. Um, I see it as being a uh, kind of a pacifist song. Curses on the cruel iron, curses on the steel thou givest, curses on the tongue of evil, cursed be thy life forever. And then it continues on through uh, the story of the discovery of iron um, and how it was this nonsense, worthless thing. And then somebody decided to throw it in a fire and see what happened. And... Um, now you've you've grown mighty you can rage in wildest fury you've broken all thy pledges all thy solemn vows um has broken like the dogs thou shamest honor shamest by both thyself and kindred pain tainted all with breath and evil tell all who drove thee to mischief tell who thought who taught thee thy malice tell who gave us thee thine evil tell me now tell me and it's this really amazing song about this incredible element that can be used for good, but we taught it to do unspeakable evil. Um, and we're, we're seeing it today, right? We're seeing steel um, rain down on civilians um, and destroy buildings and people and cities and cultures. And it's horrific. Um, <laughs> well, right, right, and <laughs> sorry, I couldn't help. <laughs> yeah, you had to say it. somebody had to say it, right? Um, but you know, the idea, right? This, this, this human tendency that we have to take these things, right? I mean, wood was the same thing. Trees, right? We can warm our homes. We can build beautiful furniture and art. Instead, we made pointy sticks. Um, what we did, you know, yeah, and and the same thing with uranium. Uranium can power an entire world cleanly, for the most part. Um, instead, we used it to end worlds, right? Um, and and this, so I just I really love the song because it's it's identifying this core human failure to use these powerful things to destroy ourselves. Um, this, this, this reminds me actually of an instrumental piece by Jocelyn Pook, who I've brought up here before, um, called, I think it's called Oppenheimer, actually. And he, it, it is uh, music with the voice of Oppenheimer uh, sampled in the background, uh, you know, quoting Krishna, I've become the destroyer of worlds, you know, like the, the famous quote that he that he quotes from the Bhagavad Gita. Uh, in reflection of his own role in creating the nuclear bomb, you know, <laughs> like, and um, it's powerful because um, this is what we do. Like you said, Blake, you know, we could do anything with uranium for the good and we choose to become destroyers of worlds. Um, so I, uh, before we go on to Ukraine, um, I guess we we really need to uh, bring. Well, one second, guys. I want to oh, sure. uh, I want I want to play the beginning of this song for you because I think you will appreciate it. Uh, can you make it so I can share? Uh, I, I probably can. Yes, I can. Let me. Um, 
Let me figure that out in three seconds. Um, gonna open up the persistence and then I've got to make you a co-host. Make host. I'm gonna make you the host and then you can make me the host back when you're done. Deal. You are now the host. Share sound. Optimize for video clip. So this is the beginning of this really epic, amazing song. for sharing i mean yeah that's i mean that's all i love the sound of it i love the the um the, absolutely the sound of it um so yeah um well this is gonna bring us into uh something um that we need to uh that we need to bring back it's 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 been quite a while since we've done this um and just a reminder blake if you could switch me over to the host that would be oh yes sir Yes. That'd be uh, awesome. do I, where, do I do um, where do you do that again? You have to hit participants and then you'll go uh, to right. my name and there's more. And, um, yeah. So, so we're going to bring back shithouse theology. We, come on, we, we haven't done shithouse theology in forever. Isn't that true, Sal? Uh, Very true. Yeah, need, yeah, and we need, so we need to pick it back up again. We need to pick it back up again. And Sal, you're you're the one who uh, actually um, brought this shithouse theology to our attention. So um, this is this is the first that we're going to uh, critique these guys. But I have a feeling, given given how they've gone, it won't be the last. No, I I don't think so. So today we're going to be talking about the Babylon Bee. Uh, for those who don't know who the introduced me to these guys, we used to actually really love them. Yeah, <laughs> Back... something something happened, just like something happened to a lot of people we know. Yeah, yeah something was, was reined in by us. I think it, it it came on the yeah. scene. Uh, uh, that, that when happening. someone got elected president, I think something happened. Mm -hmm. um, but so yeah, the Babylon Bee is essentially the was essentially the Christian response to the Onion. Mm -hmm. It was a satire site. And, you know, back before 2016, when they would, you know, mostly stick to, uh, and it was from an evangelical perspective and, you know, post satire about um, church stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and they would throw some politics in there, but they were pretty even handed about it mm -hmm. uh, at the time. 
So, um, but so our, our, they were recently suspended from Twitter, um, <laughs> for a tweet. Um, so the U S assistant health secretary, Rachel Levine, she's, uh, yes. the secretary, uh, she is also a transgendered woman. Uh, but their yes, tweet was, was a man who transitioned into being a woman into a woman just to explain that for people. Yep. Uh, and so there Babylon B tweeted that they were giving her the man of the year award. Uh, Babylon B's man of the year is Rachel Levine. Uh, and they were suspended because it, it violated Twitter's rules on, uh, hateful content. I think yeah, I'm bashing, basically I'm bashing people because of religion, sex, gender orientation, yeah. you know, and and truth be told they were responding if this was supposed to be a satire on i don't know if it was people or time named named levine one of its top 100 women or something like that yeah and yeah. so they were they were responding to that saying well she's not actually a woman you know that's what they were trying to say that was the that yeah. was the joke but it's not a joke no <laughs> right and i believe they actually used her old name as well yes yes they did yeah. So, not great. No. And look, it's, you know, satire is satire. And I, and I do give uh, a lot of, even with the Babylon Bee, I give a lot of artistic license and comedic license uh, to them because, you know, satire is supposed to kind of irk you. It, it, it makes you laugh, but it makes you laugh because there's a truth hidden in it. And mm -hmm. uh, uh, so I get that, but this was not that. This isn't satire. This is just bashing somebody you don't like. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, there's also, right, you, we always, you always allow the room for them to say, ooh, we messed this one up. Yes. We'll pull the tweet yeah. down. Yeah. yeah. And and they, they instead came out and said, we would rather be suspended and lose our Twitter account than do that. So that's Dylan, the CEO, basically came out and doubled down and said, we're not going to delete it and we're going to go on and continue to basically tow this bashing of transgender people because they uh, see it as, well, disgusting and sinful yeah uh, so, so where's the, the theology in this boys what's the where's the theology uh yeah. it's in what the are we talking about <laughs> what well i'm just saying right like let you know we, we we talk about the bad theology but you know this by by all indications we could consider this instead a social issue but um you know what the babylon be at least from my perspective, what the Babylon Bee is saying is that um, this person is not made in the image of God and therefore does not deserve respect or any kind of care or concern, um, which is what most of these transgender rules do. To be a bit on the, the devil's advocate side, though, I really don't want to be. Um, I would say that they're not saying that this person isn't made in the image of God, but that this person has lost that. Or has or has fallen away from that because of their choice to go down this path of sin. That's how they would. That's sure. how they would articulate it. Of they would say is. that this person wasn't created in the image of God, but right. They, but I will. I will counter. I will counter that devil. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> Please do. With 
Um, did you guys see the news out of Utah this week? Uh, was Re- that the very the Republican governor? Utah governor mm. vetoed an anti-trans athletes yes. in sport law? Another, did you read what he too. said? Did you did you read his statement? Mm-hmm. I encourage you to do it because in it he said there are seventy five thousand student athletes in the state of Utah. There are four transgender athletes in the state of Utah, and only one of them is competing in girls' athletics. And he said, "You know, I don't know." if this is right or if this is wrong. But I do know that I want these kids to live and they're just, what he, they're just trying to make friends and find some confidence. Hmm. And so I'm video, I'm videoing this because I want them to continue to live. And studies have shown that, that limiting and, and hindering transgender expression causes death. Oh, absolutely. No doubt. About right. It, yeah. And so, you know, Babylon B can say all they want about this is the, you know, the right and, 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 you know, faithful way to respond to this social problem that they perceive. But then they have a very Republican governor who disagrees, who disagrees yeah. and cares more about the four kids in Utah schools that this would impact than he does the 75 or 74,996 who it doesn't or or could in case you know a star you know a star previously male athlete decides he wants to transition and compete yeah you know um it's a difference in it's a difference in the focus and i would say that's why i say the babylon b does not care about the image of god of this person oh i agree they don't care and the, U- don't and care. the utah governor does yeah they yeah. don't care uh, because they feel this person so far far gone that that they're not worth caring about, and that yeah. is so anti-Christian. That's yeah. the shit. That's the shit theology there. That somebody could be so far gone that God would pl- applaud you for dead naming and bashing them for all the world to see. Doing something that studies have shown causes depression and suicide. Yeah. And the theological difference between Babylon B and us, or Babylon B and this, I don't know about this governor's theological position, but the theological framework that's different is, is that we, we believe that Jesus didn't just come to save our souls, which he did do, but he also came to, uh, to transform us into vessels that will be uh, soul transforming as well. And and that doesn't just get done with the Bible and with pointing out sins of other people. That also gets done socially through loving and accepting people and being different than the world is. And I would ask the Babylon Bee to explain how they are different than the rest of America or the rest of the world on this issue. How are you different by bashing these people? Um, you're not. You're You're being like the world instead of like Christ. That makes me think of the, this last Sunday's lectionary passage about the fig tree, about the gardener says, no, give us, give me another year to tend it and to care for it and, mm-hmm. you know, then judge it based on its fruit. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, you know, we, that's kind of your idea. We're, we're supposed to take care of the tree so that it produces good fruit, i.e. we're supposed to produce good fruit. 
It's not um, one or the but, other. It's not acts yeah. of piety or acts of mercy. It's both. I'm looking at. I'm looking at. Uh, I guess it's Governor Cox's state. Some of his statements says, "I struggle to understand so much of it, and the science is conflicting." When in doubt, however, I always try to err on the side of kindness, mercy, and compassion, um, which makes me think. And this gets into the theology bit of you know the, the whole argument of orthodoxy versus orthopraxy. You know, right mm-hmm. thought versus right action. Um, and I, I'd say that's part of uh, Babylon B's issue is that they're they're saying, well, this is this is wrong based on our you know our theology, and they're screaming about it. But how are they using that theology for good? They're not. They're essentially um, denigrating this person's um, I mean image bearingness because I think a caricature yeah, of somebody. It's denigrated. I think that's and that's part of the problem with some of places like the Babylon Bee is that they they take these social issues and they raise them above actual good theology. Um, that if you are on the wrong side of this social issue, then you're on the wrong side of God's grace and salvation. And I think that for me, that's the the theological the shithouse theology of it. So here's a real good devil's advocate one. How do we not do that to the Babylon Bee and those who think that it's the best thing that has ever occurred? Because I will, I will readily say liberal Christians are notorious for considering conservative Christians to be unredeemable. Oh, yeah, they do. They do. They treat they treat conservative Christians as if they are antichrist, right? And they're not. You know, maybe on certain issues they are, but you know, on certain issues, liberals are too. <laughs> Progressives yeah. are the nuttiest folks, man. I swear, right. like, like Sal and I have always talked about this. Like, like you've got you've got the wacko, you've, you know, fundies, and you've got the wacko progs, and somewhere in between, there's got to be sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, have you heard of the have you heard of the horseshoe theory? Uh, no. So the horseshoe theory is that instead of um, especially, I mean, they talk about it with politics in particular, but I think theology works the same um, in terms of our, our particular brands of Christianity. That you know we see it as a spectrum on a line, right? So there's the far left, and then there's the far right, and never the never the two shall meet. The horseshoe theory is that. The far left and the far right are actually like this close to each other. Yeah, they really are. Because they cut, it wraps around. It's a, yeah, it's a, really it's are. a spectrum, and they are almost touching. They're almost yeah. the same person. There's just this in infinite gap that can never be bridged between what they think about stuff, but the way that they behave and treat strange. others, mm-hmm. it's it, they're almost the same person. Um, and that's the risk that we run, right? In being so, vis- you know, so vehemently against some of this stuff, which needs to be, you know, resisted and fought against, that we run the risk of going the other direction. Uh, it makes me think of the the, the taxpayer or the tax collector and the Pharisee in the in Luke eighteen, right? How uh, you know we read we read this parable and you're instantly drawn into. Thank God I'm not like that Pharisee and Jesus just says, "Gotcha." because you're doing the same thing you're you're praying you're praying the pharisee's prayer in the other direction and that's the whole point 
Yeah, yeah, that's right. Instead of saying, instead of the praying, thank God I'm not like that tax collector or sinner, you're saying, thank God I'm not like that Pharisee. <laughs> and um, and then we become Pharisaic. And that's, and I think that is the, that is the age old truth that we've seen in the church is the more unbending we become, uh, the more uh, that that gap becomes unbridgeable, and I think you, you see you see the horseshoe has bent only as far as it can go. It will not bend any further, mm -hmm. and the more unbendable we become, uh, the less likely we're going to close that gap, and uh, and then we fall into the same trap that we accuse the other of, and mm -hmm. and that that is time and time again the the Christians called out the Pharisees and then the Christians became the Pharisees. <laughs> right. So, um, I am mindful that we, uh, I'm mindful of our time. Uh, and I do want to bring us into our main segment about, uh, uh, Dr. Evil and Ukraine. Uh, and I say Dr. Evil facetiously, but he is acting like Dr. Evil and I can't help but see Dr. Evil, see Putin every time I think of Dr. Evil. Um, but um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, like, and, and, you know, Sal had said this earlier that like the feeling that we could be doing more to help. And I realize that's a complicated um that's a complicated situation because everybody wants biden to jump in and do it but if he did that then he'd be called a warmonger like bush was and right. <laughs> there's no win like you know bush bush did that and and paid the price for it i don't think biden's willing to do the same yeah well, at I least not alone and these other countries aren't going to step up so i i don't know well, there there's well there's also the concern and putin himself has even said that you know if you if you enact this no-fly zone um, I will take action against other, he'll invade other countries, basically. Uh, and that's the dilemma is if the West, the U.S. and NATO impose no-fly zone, there's no way you can avoid engaging in. No. No-fly zone means down. you have to shoot planes down. Um, right. And that, that means People don't understand that. It's not that the Russians go, aside. Yeah, it's not like they're going to run into a stop sign in the sky and everybody goes, oh, we can't fly there and turns around. I mean, right. that's, they get enforced by shooting the planes down. Like, you can't, you better turn around yeah. or we're going to shoot you down. Right, and the Russians have proven they're willing to die to push the limits. Oh, they will, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, it's an interesting challenge, right? Because um, I've been, uh, I actually just finished uh, reading, reading, listening through uh, the Lord of the Rings trilogy on audiobook, mm -hmm. um, and I've been—I mean, during this whole Ukraine thing, in, I've just been thinking about this, this idea, this—you know—if you remember the the scene in the movie or the scene in the in the book when um, Aragorn is trying to get Rohan. To go fight for Gondor, mm -hmm. and Theoden says, "No, I would not risk open war." Right. And Aragorn's response is, "Open war is coming, whether you risk it or not. It's among you, man. It is here, <laughs> right?" Yeah. And that's really one of the things that I've been seeing from some Ukrainians that I follow on social media. Um, it's already happening, right? Mm -hmm. Like, we can claim we don't want to start a world war, but it's, it's here. It's happening. 
right? Azerbaijan, Azerbaijan is attacking Armenia right now. Nobody's talking about it, but it's happening right now. Yeah. They shut off all natural gas to a, to a... Right, and China's thinking about what they're going to do about Taiwan. And, yep. and Putin has said specifically to Bosnia, mm-hmm. if you do anything, you're next. And they're right? if, you, if you join NATO, you're next. But the reality is, and the, what the Ukrainians are saying, is you're next anyway. Next Not helping anyway. isn't an option. Yeah, right. Because right. He's, anyway. once he's finished with us, well, that's it. And, and, and you see this every five to ten years. Putin is taking Crimea. He's taking this. He's taking that. And, yeah, and Georgia, now, then Chechnya, then Crimea. Then... And then all of a sudden, you realize, oh, he strategically surrounded Ukraine. That was all the game along, all along. He he wanted Ukraine, and he wants more. He wants more than Ukraine. Right. Um, there's no stopping him. Yes, and uh, so I mean that's where as... that's where we have to ask the questions that were being asked in the thirties, mm-hmm. right? right? When we refused to to enter into a world war and, that and came Ro- anyway, <laughs> and Roosevelt wanted to, yeah. but they wouldn't let him, which mm-hmm. is where the conspiracy theory that he actually orchestrated at Pearl Harbor came from, by the way. Um, which is which is nuts, but it was a real thing. He wanted to. He wanted to go and help. He wanted to be a part of putting Germany back in its place, but the 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 the, the legislature wouldn't let it until there was a reason, and Japan provided that reason. Sadly, yeah, Sadly, and, paid, and, and paid and paid the the worst price. That, and then, out of and then, yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean. I do wonder at times if, if Germany was like, hey, go get the Americans involved. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you know, but all of this um, to say, I don't, I don't want war. I, you know, I, I am almost universally a pacifist, but when you see the carnage that is being unleashed, not on the Ukrainian military forces, on the people, but on every community, Every town, every city, bombing maternity wards in a in a, a theater marked kids, mm-hmm. right? And the Romanians are are lining bridges with toys for refugee children. This is where I think, um, and I'm going to bring it up because I mean, not, not that I'm a scholar on Saint Augustine or anything like that, mm-hmm. or Augustine, however you pronounce him, um, but I, uh, I. You know, like when you're in seminary, uh, especially if you go to a more liberal seminary or a moderate seminary, you're going to do a lot of criti- criticism of like early fathers and their thoughts and things like that. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's just the nature of it. And you know, you criticize uh, uh, Augustine for his just war position because, like, how can you be a Christian and justify war at all? Um, and I think. I think Augustine was on to something. I'm not saying I agree with everything he had to say about it or the way that the Roman Catholic Church in particular interpreted that and used it. Um, But I do think in his musings, which, by the way, we have to separate from the actions of the church that came after him. (laughs) You know, like he he had no control over how people were going to read his texts and use it. Um, But I think he was right in the sense that Jesus Christ calls us all to be peacemakers. 
and and to be peacemakers we're to turn the other cheek we're to you know like if someone asks for our coat give them your shirt too um of course we we lose the context of the fact that those were not pacifist kind of actions like if somebody turned if they smacked you with their one hand and you turned the other you're asking them now to smack you with the hand that isn't their power hand you're you're, you're actually making a statement to them saying this is how egregious your action is and i'm gonna let you do it again which they're never gonna do of course which then renders them powerless because they're not gonna do the thing you're asking them to do mm -hmm. same thing when you give your tunic when someone asks for your coat and you give your tunic, you're naked. <laughs> There's nothing left under you except mm -hmm. your loincloth. You know, Jesus thankfully didn't tell him to hand the loincloth over as well. But that, that's all that's left of you. And so mm -hmm. there you are standing naked, handing this soldier everything you've got and making them look like the complete jerk in the situation. So these were all things of exposing injustice injust injustice or injustice 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 yeah yeah and and um and also when you look at jesus he was a peacemaker but he didn't pacify situations like when he went into the temple that was mm -hmm. that was anything but a pacifying uh move to overturn the tables or to call out pharisees or to you know mm -hmm. name any one of the insulting things he did um but <clears throat> I think that's where we, you know, like me, I would consider myself more of a pacifist as well in the sense that I hate war. Uh, I, I hate violence. I, I don't advocate it. Um, but the reason why I wouldn't full on call myself one is because I recognize there are these moments where others don't share the same values. And then it becomes, do we sit by and pacify and allow this guy to do whatever he's going to do? Or do we defend the weak and the, the, the people who are being suffered oppression and injustice, which Jesus calls us to stand up against? So it's, it's a real, like gray area and i think the right thing i think uh, augustine's on to something i think uh you know like there are times where you're dealing with people where the only response is iron sadly yeah well and i've, I've been thinking a lot about c.s lewis as well because um, mm -hmm. he fought in world war one and yes, if did. anybody had a reason to be a pacifist it was him yep right um but he talks about how um so this is from the cslewis.com. Why not pacifism then? Here's his rundown in brief. First, war is very disagreeable in everyone's point of view. Everybody agrees war is bad. Yeah. Even um, Putin would agree that. Yes. He I claims, he, I, I don't want to do this. Yeah. Um, the pacifist contends that war does more harm than good, that every war leads to another war, and that pacifism itself will lead to an absence of war and more, a cure for suffering. Lewis is pointed in his response. I think the art of life consists in tackling each immediate evil as well as we can. To avert or postpone one particular war by wise policy or to render one particular campaign shorter by strength and skill or less terribly by mercy to the conquered and the civilians is more useful than all the proposals for universal peace that have ever been made. Just as the dentist who can stop one toothache has deserved better of humanity than all the men who think they have produced a scheme for producing a perfectly healthy race. Um, you know, and his point in that is that 
it is one thing to intellectually say I'm a pacifist. Yeah, absolutely. It is one thing to say I do not want war. War is bad. It is abhorrent. It is. It should not be. It is another to let mothers and children be bombed to pieces. Yes. And Bonhoeffer came out. By the way, Bonhoeffer struggled with this real time. Yeah. Yes, and to just sit and and wait and watch and hope that Putin gets sick of the barbarism or that someone in Russia will stand up to him. Yes, a pacifist, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, decided it would be better to commit an act of evil in killing one man than to allow millions of people to die and suffer you know, because we know where the yeah because we know where it's going that's the yeah. thing and and, and the ukrainians have been telling us this right everybody that yeah. has wor- has words to speak has been saying putin would rather every ukrainian be dead yeah oh yeah this is genocide stopped. yeah yeah mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. as long as he gets what he wants he really is fine he's fine. he does he, like i i think the um the Economist had an article about how, you know, this is one of the first wars that most of us will remember that is being ushered in by a true nihilist. Yes. <laughs> who just doesn't care yes. about anything other than what he wants. It's he he's Stalin 2.0, maybe a little better than Stalin at this point, but we don't really know that, do we? Yeah, not no, uh, you know, probably not. Um, because at least Stalin didn't have an example before him to say, Hey, you probably shouldn't do this. No, no, he didn't, um, right? But you know, I think, and that's where I, I struggle to land, right? Is you know, I, I, I don't like America's never ending wars and the military industrial complex, I think it, it brings more evil into the world. Mm-hmm than good but in in you know in this (laughs) this is totally different yeah this isn't this isn't going to stop no right even if we let them take ukraine which you know the ukrainians are stones and are saying no but you know have you ever i mean i've never actually seen this kind of a fight in person but you always see it in like a movie where it's like this little guy i mean it's really it's rocky right Right. Right. This little overwhelmed, overmatched guy that just can take a beating unlike anything anybody's ever seen. And it makes everybody in the crowd uncomfortable. And even it made Apollo Creed uncomfortable. Right. While he was beating him, he's like, I can't keep. But Rocky really won. But I can't keep doing this to this guy. Right. Like, just go down. (laughs) Just. And he wouldn't. And he wouldn't. And the Ukrainians won't. Yeah, he went the distance, right? They will fight yeah. forever. Yeah, they will, and that's what's impressive about them. But it's impressive, but it's also but it's, part of the horror because they a, will the fight forever. It, right? Yeah, and they and will Putin die, won't but... stop. Putin yeah, won't Putin have won't. a good bone in his body like Creed and say, that's "I right. can't keep doing this." That's right. Right. Putin's like, Putin. if you want to keep fighting forever, I will keep killing you forever, and he will do it. Yeah, and he's threatening nuclear weapons. I mean, he's just, the guy is unhinged. But, you know, it's wrong to think he's unhinged. We act like he's unhinged. He's not unhinged. He knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. It's like thinking Hitler was unhinged. They weren't unhinged people. They were brilliant, actually. But they they used their brilliance in evil ways. Yeah, and that, yeah, I mean, yeah, we always, you know, we always kind of, 
one, it's a detriment to people who actually do have mental illness to say that he must be mentally ill. Uh, let's start there. Yeah, um, yeah. But but secondly, we we err to the side of the extreme, right? We err to the side. It's kind of like, you know, when we see something great in sports, we're like, oh, they're just so gifted. No, they worked. Right, right. Yeah, they have some gifts, but they worked. Oh, Putin is just evil. Oh, he's a human being. Any of us are capable of this. Any of us are. Yeah, any of us are. Um, and, and I'm sure he does have mental health issues. Which one of us doesn't? But that doesn't mean all mental health people are Putin. You know, all people right. with mental health issues are Putin. Um, right. Any more than right. all cancer patients have the same cancer. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, Or, you know, it, it's a mental health issue whenever somebody shoots up a school. Well, I mean, yes, there might be. Yes, but of like, course it is. <laughs> I mean, sure. It's not, it's not normal human behavior. Uh, or at least normative it might be normal there's enough of them but it's um, also a mental health issue when you're bullying people so <laughs> right <laughs> yeah and yeah. you know so that i think is yeah we don't want violence we don't want to to start something that is going to beget more death but putin has proven that there is no limit to the amount of death he's willing to deal no yeah. no there's no limit and you're... he cares less <clears throat> And we're we're seeing that with, I mean, if you look at strategically, they couldn't expect it to walk in and, you know, this this victorious conqueror and just walk in and have hands go up and say, yeah, we we surrender. And the to the Ukrainians' credit, they're resisting as hard as they mm -hmm. can. They are. Five, but... five Russian generals killed. I mean, you, you, logistically, you look at Putin's army, it's like they're just make a mistake after mistake mis after mistake but you're you're seeing putin like he said like he just he's gonna all right he'll you just keep sending people i'll kill you i'll kill you as long as you're gonna fight and, and he'll kill he his own people to do it he immediately turned immediately turned from okay this is a land invasion to okay i'm just gonna bombard the ever-living yeah. crap we've got country. we've got missiles that can reach every quarter every quarter of ukraine we're going to park them on our border and just let loose and destroy everything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and if you want to stop it, you have to cross the border and that will be considered an existential threat to Russia. And that's when we launched the nukes. Yep. Yep. Right. Um, yep. And, and it's, and it's not going to stop. Um, so, you know, obviously we're also good guys. We solved it. We did it. Good job. We did so it who's going to, who's going to call Joe? Um, <laughs> <laughs> wish i had access man yeah um <laughs> Actually, but i, I mean <laughs> but this like, is where you know let's think about right you know our our job right the work that we do um how do we talk to people about this um you know because one of the things that's been remarkable is it's it's the first time that our 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 government has been able to agree on anything without much controversy in quite some time. Actually, this is this is the miracle of what Putin Putin has unilaterally done the unthinkable by a uniting Republicans and Democrats, which is unthinkable, and then and Europe. B, even more unthinkable, causing Switzerland to actually not stay neutral. Pick a side, yeah. right? Holy yeah. crap! They did right. they they managed to stay neutral even through World War Two. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, but I mean, so that I mean, how do we how do we how do we talk about this in a way that can um, how, 
how do, how do we talk about this in a way that can help people understand, you know, and, and maybe find some kind of common ground? I, you know, that's what I'm trying to find some hope about is that in this moment we can find common ground as human beings. Yeah. Instead of thinking about, you know, Republican Democrat, right? Cause you're right. You know, Biden had, if Biden had said, all right, we are going to go, you we're going to go park, a, we're going to go park a line of tanks around Kiev. And if Russia wants to come through, then we'll have to defend ourselves. Yeah. Um, he could have done that. And the Republicans would have called him a warmonger. Um, yep. And but now that he didn't do that, they're like, "Why didn't you do that?" Yeah, yeah, um, yeah it's it's a no win situation. Zero win situation. Um, yep. But everybody knows with the images that are coming out, and you know, if social media, I mean, social media is full of great evil. Um, but honestly, I think one of the things that it has done for for me at least is I already followed a Ukrainian artist um, who's mm-hmm. been documenting this. Um, I came across a few others um, that I've been following. I've been following Zelensky and his wife too. Like, you know, Zelensky mm -hmm. was a name you barely knew of until recently. To see this kind of devastation. Yeah. First person. I think that's the, the, I think I, I followed someone upon your recommendation, Blake. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's the, that's the positive power of social media right now is that I think this is how we talk about it. Is that it's like you said the artists they're they're reminding us in the midst of this chaos the humanity of these Ukrainians and these Russians you, you know you're, you're seeing video of you know Russian soldiers calling home and their parents are like didn't even know that they're in the middle of a war zone um, by the way but you're you're this you know, is that's a how cover right but that's how you that's how we we talk about it as we we remind people of as we talked about in the theology section it, you know we're all image all, image, all bearers image bearers of, of the yeah. divine um and we could split hairs on you know social issues but that you know image bearers are being slaughtered right now mm-hmm. on both sides and, and image bearers are doing the slaughtering, which is in, is yeah. a different kind of tragic. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we, we need to remind folks of, you know, Jesus throughout Scripture. We talk about just war. Jesus always erred on the side of the oppressed and the weak. Um, right. Yeah. So. Here's another random thought that has nothing to do with war, but uh, technically Russians, if they live in America, are are Asian Americans. Depending on minus the countries that they took over, you know, that are in Eastern Europe, but but Russia proper. Is it? No, I I think I I think uh... they're on the Asian continent. They're a part of the Asian continent. Are they? Yep. Majority of Russia is in Asia, yeah. Yeah, minus the you know Crimea and those other places. But I they... thought I thought like St. Petersburg and that the ones that were almost in the, almost on the on the the North Sea, right, touching Finland and you know in Estonia. You know, I thought I thought they were still considered Europe, but I guess I mean maybe I don't know. Yeah, I don't think so. I, think, I could. could uh, be wrong. I would think you know Russia proper would be is asia eastern eastern europe like moscow Saint uh, mm. i don't know mm. good question to the google somebody find out 
I'm going to right now. Is Russia right. in Asia? But that goes to that 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 whole point though um, is uh, that you know like we we view things in skin color, but but and, and but we name we name continents off of that, right? Like so, African American, yeah. Asian American, as if that it delineates you know uh, somebody from China or something as opposed to somebody from Russia. Um, well, I did, actually, that actually brings up an interesting point because I did see that, like, so the word Caucasian comes from the Caucasus, from the Caucasus reason, region so that they could delineate between, the, like, the whiter people versus the more Asian-looking people on the far side. You're right. You're right. Actually, it is transcontinental. Transcontinental Moscow, uh, uh, Moscow, and Saint Petersburg are within Europe. Actually, that's what I thought. Yeah, yeah they are within Europe. According, according but to most the, of the it, most of it is in Asia. Yeah, seventy-seven percent in Asia, twenty-three percent in right. Europe. Right. right. Yeah, and you and you know, and that line, right? the line where they draw it right that's where russians start looking a little more like mongolians and yep. northern yep. chinese yep. Um, yep. yeah interesting so even that right there is racially determined oh boy <laughs> anyway i'm uh i'm definitely aware of our time and yeah. i think we've had a great discussion um including uh geography mm -hmm. and um yeah like uh, we should definitely be keeping uh the ukrainians in our prayers though so we should be keeping the babylon babylon babylonian bees in our prayers as well um uh, as much as we and, don't want to as much right? and that's the whole point right prayer doesn't necessarily change them but it changes you that's right that's right so um you know and not all of their theology is you know not all of the stuff they put out there is bad it's just that when they do put a stinker out there they they really put one um and uh i will post and if you guys have any you want to share great but i know that uh united methodist committee on relief is actively uh aiding people in ukraine 100 percent of that goes straight to the people uh in need uh all costs in terms of overhead and things like that are paid for by united methodist church mm -hmm. churches and, and their generosity mm -hmm. so yeah and if anybody's feeling like they want to really contribute to something different than a church might um a number of ukrainian artists and photographers and other people like that are collecting funds that go towards the uh what they're calling their territorial defenses um and so uh, it's a it's a way through uh, Western Union, PayPal, other places like that that have waived fees that you can get money directly to people. They're getting things like the artist is getting pet food for animals. Um, he's getting, you know, bandages and things like that. A lot of just stuff to keep people safe. Um, there are some others in which you can your dollars will go towards other things if you are so inclined um but yeah so send send that information blake and i'll post yeah. the encore and sal if there's anything uh on the presbyterian well, side there there is the presbyterian disaster uh yep. is as well that's our that's the uh the encore of our presbyterian 
mm -hmm. denomination. So both denominations have uh, funds set up as well as, uh, mm -hmm. as Blake said, artists and communities. I think Mala Kunis and uh, what's his name? Uh, are, Kutcher. Have, Kutcher, Ashton, uh, Ashton have raised a ton of money. So yeah. Yeah. links are out there. So you can, a simple Google search, you can find them, but we'll post them in the... We'll post yeah. a couple of them. Yep. Yeah, the two, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll try to, I'll get um, Instagram handle names for the two that I've been following closely. Um, so, yeah. So great. And uh, well, then with that said, folks, remember, be excellent to each other. Don't be a jerk. It's cool. Beyond. Rock on. Welcome, uh, Patreon podcasters, to our bonus segment. Bonus. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, Blake had a very um, profound and uh, broadly general uh, question that would spark a, an interesting conversation between the three of us. Um, and uh, why, why don't you? Tell us what the question is, Blake. Yeah, so you've probably heard, uh, if you watch the rest of this, uh, you heard me ask it. Um, it was the question, that, the first question that was asked of me and a group of other pastors at this coaching summit. What do you want? And I was struck by how hard it was for other pastors to answer the question. And how many of them said, I'm not used to being asked that. Which one of us is used to it? I'm not. Yeah. And and most of us aren't, right? We were asked, what do you have to do? What do you do? Right? What's your work? What you know, what do you do? But we're not asked, what do you want? And 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 allowed to answer it seriously and freely and however we want. Um, and so that's the question I think uh, I'd like to ask you two. And I was just wondering if maybe. Uh, via email or some other uh, format, we could get some of our uh, listeners to answer the same question and find out what's what our what our people want. Uh, great. So, patrons, you're listening to this. Um, let us know what you want, or do we put this particular bonus episode online for everybody as a gift? We could do that. We could do that. We can also <clears throat> share. We'll see what this is. Yeah. People see it. We could also put it to our uh, Twitter, yeah. Facebook mm -hmm. pages. What do you want, and see what see what we get? Yeah. Um, okay. So I'll start if that's okay. Yeah. Uh, just because right now they're, um, you know, like it's a pastor's life is is uh, or clergy's life. Not just I don't want to exclude Sal here because it's the same deal really, but you're 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 not just a clergy you're also a person you're you're a father a brother a sister you know, well sister uh you know whatever you're you're a family member of somebody and you know there's a lot going on in in one's life and honestly the health of a, of a church um weighs heavily on the health of a pastor's family i think in a lot of ways because 
if the church is toxic or if the church is just not moving forward the way they they ought to or or you know whatever the case may be um that stress especially in in the methodist church but i'd imagine also in 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 the call system too because if you're not doing well in a church that probably means that you're gonna have to at some point uproot your family go somewhere else start over again hopefully that will work and you know that is what it is but that puts a tremendous amount of stress on the family and so um you know what i what i have always wanted in my life is family i mean that's always been important to me and um you know i'm blessed to have a best friend and a wife uh, in bernadette and and i have two really awesome children and you know i want i want for them uh all the opportunities that they can have to to be successful to be um to be spiritually grounded and to live happy productive lives uh building family so i would love to be a grandfather someday i'm sad that i never got to be an uncle um but but i am an uncle to a cat so that counts um but you know that's something i've always wanted and in it, one of the things that has been really happy for me lately is seeing both of my daughters um excel at what they're doing my my oldest is now living in florida she's 21 years old and she's she followed my track she moved out as soon as she <laughs> as soon as she could and she's she's um down in florida and just got a job uh, working as a you know working part-time for disney which is what she wants to do like that that she wants in at that company and she's got her foot in the door now and they do um uh you know lateral uh their company's kind of like a, a you, you you move laterally not straight up the ladder so you kind of go mm -hmm. like this and um which is good because you get your hands and everything so by the time you do get up to a position of authority you've done everything it's not like you're asking somebody mm -hmm. to do something you wouldn't do um and and so she's got her nin down there but she's also finishing college and i'm very excited for her and uh, just happy that she she's very persistent like she was in a situation where um you when you're on the college program you have to stay at a dorm like facility or you choose not to and she didn't know whether she would be she was looking into staying in another place with friends but she wasn't sure if that would go through so she said yes to the to the dorm situation and then she got accepted at this other place and had to pay for double rent you know and she couldn't get out of the the the, the dorm situation so she ended up having to to um to self-terminate and reapply and it didn't look like that that you looked like she was gonna have to wait six months and she wasn't sure if she'd have a job so she got a job elsewhere but it turns out that through persistence and uh, not taking no for an answer or at least until you've exhausted all your options uh, she was able to get a job in and uh, and uh, you know it's really cool about uh, Disney is that if you if you're faithful and loyal to to their to them and their brand and, and you do your job uh, there's opportunity to grow and uh, plenty of people have done it. So, um, so, you know, that's where she is right now. And, and uh, so that, that is really providing me happiness in my life. Also, my daughter, Lorian um, is uh, just excelling and she's in her senior year and she's just, you know, she's the president of the Tri-M Music uh, Honor Society and, and she's, uh, she was co uh 
um, a drum major of the uh, of the of the marching band, and she was in the play, and she's uh, co whatever of the choir council, and and she's just like you know really budding and and expanding out, and it's just fun to see see them like become their own people and their own adults and and live their their lives. So that's what I really want. Um, and of course, in, on in the ministry sense, because I was talking about that that dichotomy. I mean, I want I want to see the church grow again. I want to see the church move forward out of this pandemic and, and actually grow and, and do vibrant ministry. Um, and I believe we have core leaders, enough core leaders where we can do that if we respond in the right spirit. I, I do believe that. Uh, so I, I, I have hope, um, even if it's cautious. <laughs> um, but, you know, I want to get back into doing ministry again. Like, I feel like the last two years have been a void uh, on, on my, uh, my song choice. Uh, it, you know, and, and I feel like it's time to close that void. Or fill it, at least. Cool. So, how about you? You got the heart out. <clears throat> um, that's, it is a tough question. I mean, <clears throat> I think... Um, I'm in a slightly different position than you guys in terms of family. Um, sort of the in-between of you guys. I, I do, I always wanted a family and you know, it's easy to say, well, I want them to have everything that I never had, which is true. Um, just like my parents wanted me to have everything that they didn't have. Um, but we're in that sweet spot right now with Calvin and with Alex coming along in the next month and a half or so of really seeing Calvin's personality come out. Um, last night as I was reading him, uh, curious George to go to sleep. And I said the word whoosh and he just broke out in laughter. So I said, whoosh, you know, for about five minutes, we just laughed together. Um, so Calvin, I think is changing me for the better. Um, meds are helping too um but uh i think calvin is making me a better person um better husband um better brother and son so um i can honestly say i do want him to have and alex to have what i didn't have that's not to say i didn't have a good childhood um yeah, there's dysfunction that's come to the surface with, you know, moving away from my family and this marriage and grandkids. But I want to just, I'm content in life right now. You know, I feel like I'm in a good spot as a parent, a good spot as a husband, uh, and I'm in a good spot as a professionally. Um, I don't want my my ministry setting to grow because that just means more more dead people yeah, right. more dying people <laughs> yeah, yeah. you're you you want your your ministry to shrink yeah steady steady <laughs> steady steady, uh, growth, uh, yeah, on yeah. That one. yeah. Um, i got no i got enough people dying to meet me i don't need more um, yeah. but yeah so that's where i'm at um so uh or you know as you always say at Christmas, what do you want for Christmas? My two front teeth. But or a Jeep Gladiator, right? Jeep Gladiator. 
Yeah. Yeah. Or yeah. Someone to gift me the money to pay off my Wrangler. Yeah. yeah. How about you, Blake? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, I don't hide what I want very well. Uh, it's honestly been a thing that uh, I've been working on um, because, you know, I, uh, I tend to um, remove the things that I want when I feel like I've made a mistake, um, like intentionally. I'll, you know, get rid of concert tickets or just, you know, wreck something that I like because I don't deserve it anymore. Uh, it's, it's one of my toxic traits, I guess. Um, but yeah, I want to be in Alaska. Um, and it's for a lot of different reasons. Some of them just about me and that's okay too. Um, but I, I also know that I am a different person when I'm there. Uh, I'm a happier person when I'm there. I'm a kinder person when I'm there. Um, and I want that for my family. <laughs> um, you know, and I want my daughters to, to grow up there um, and, and to live the life that, you know, we really love to live. You know, we talk about how we're like an outdoorsy family, but we don't really go outdoors much here. It's, but it's because, you know, being outdoors here kind of is almost more painful than it's worth because I just don't like it. Um, and, you know, um, some people have told me, well, you just need to learn how to love where you are. And I'm like, I don't know that that's necessarily true. Like, there's just something fundamental about this that makes me miserable. Um, and I don't use that word lightly. Um, but, um, you know, I think when we can be clear about the things that we want, um, then, you know, my daughter who is very clear about the things that she wants can see that as an okay behavior. But I think a lot of times that we have, we, we, we make ourselves second so often and often rightly so that that becomes the default for everybody that we're around too. And that I don't want that for my girls. I don't want them to feel like they're second. Um, that they're what they care about, what they want in their life matters and they can go get it like your daughters are doing Todd. Uh, right. And that's learned. That's not just innate. That is a learned behavior. Correct. Um, and, and so, you know, I think seminary who was you know, and a mother uh, who was working to make that happen. And, uh, mm -hmm. you know, they saw, they saw us both struggle to reach what we wanted. And so, mm -hmm. yeah, that's a learned behavior. Yeah. And so I think, you know, that's what it is for us. I mean, I, I at times I feel like I, I should, I should all over myself, as my wife says. Um, and uh, I think about the things I should be looking at beyond that and like what it's going to be like. Uh, but there comes a point where you just know there is this shoe that has to drop for everything else to start happening. Um, and, you know, we've been looking for a job for a year. I haven't found anything. And one of my friends uh, at this at this conference said, like, it's because you're not called to those places. You're called to Alaska. Like, that's where your call is. What you do for work is kind of irrelevant because you'll, you'll work for the kingdom there, whatever you're doing. So you just got to get there. So that's where we're at. I don't know how fast it's going to go. Uh, go ahead. I was going to say, it sounds like eventually you you will end up out in Alaska. 
Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I think if it's if it's not done by three years from now, something will have gone very wrong, and I'll be very upset. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, it just has to. It has to happen because um, that's where our family is too. Right? You talk about family. We want cousins, and we want you know aunts and uncles, and all of that for Ada and Sigrid is in Alaska, yep. and it's not moving. They're not leaving. Um, so if we want to be close to them, we got to make the move and we want to, uh, and we've got friends there too, that, you know, it's just, uh, it's, it'd be a really vibrant community for us. By the way, uh, my daughter, uh, my oldest daughter, when she was at Drew had a friend, um, from Norway with the name Sigrid, uh, mm-hmm. and they would call her Siggy mm-hmm. for, for short, <laughs> but yeah, from Norway. Uh, so there's a very Viking name. That is why we picked it. It was my grandma's name. Yep. Um, yep. so beautiful so todd i will push back on you just a tiny bit um, sure. you did not say a lot about you the things that you wanted were for everybody else so i don't you don't need to give another one um no, but that but is for me honestly as much as I, it is for them yeah i know but i i would as your friend uh i would encourage you to think about something that just todd wants that would take some time, but I would, uh, I could do I that know. for you. I would. And, and for you listeners, uh, yes. Think about things that would bring you joy for your, the people in your family. My daughter's being happy brings me joy, but I also know that when I have the things that I want and need, I am able to be a better dad, uh, and a better husband and a better pastor. So think about what you want, not just what would be good for the other people in your life. But what you want. Be selfish. Yeah. There are also things that, that I know I want that I couldn't openly talk about as well. So fair enough. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this is a good place to leave it. I know Sal, you have a hard out. Mm-hmm. Um and uh so do I. And so friends, this has been a great discussion. Uh great profound uh question from our viking vicar as always and uh thank you for joining us uh again um we are going to actually make this free for everybody this month because it's good to show the world what what you get when you're actually a uh a patron uh and also uh we will be um you know planning more events in the future that will be exclusive to patrons as well just like we did our live halloween uh episode so there'll be more of that to look forward to in the meantime friends remember be excellent to each other don't be a jerk well let's go rock on folks (laughs) 